Good afternoon and welcome to the Brussels Chicago Riga Summit. Landmark Summit. Warmly welcome all of you at the NATO headquarters. Our 25th, 17th, first summit meeting of the 21st century. Hello and welcome to NATO Summit Behind the Scenes, the podcast where we explore the machinery that goes into a NATO summit. I'm your host, Bruce. And I'm your host, Mariana. And together, we're speaking to people from inside and outside of NATO about all the work they do surrounding a summit. In our previous episodes, we've spoken with experts about their work and their summit experiences. Now, we're taking a step back to speak to those who are not quite there yet, but who are on the right track to become experts in the future, the interns and the temps. Oh, so I'm the guest today. I'm a temp. And I'm attempting to introduce (laughs) our actual guests. But you can share your experiences as well, of course. Uh, Before we introduce our guests, remind me, what is a temp? Um, I think you should know this since you were a temp in the past. Yeah, but sometimes I pretend not to know things in order to be charming. That's a temp trick. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good strategy. (laughs) But anyway, a temp is someone who works at NATO with a temporary contract. Often, temps start as interns, although that's not always the case, and then they stay at NATO in a position that isn't filled by a permanent staff, hence the name temp. Our guests today are Lorenzo Revello and Aitunch Ilhan. Lorenzo is an intern in the Emerging Security Challenges Division, where he works on climate change and energy security. And Aitunch started as an intern in the international staff before temping in the international military staff and is now back with us in the Public Diplomacy Division. So he has the distinct pleasure of working with us every day. <laughs> Welcome, Lorenzo and Aitunch. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hi. So tell me, guys, when and why did you apply to intern at NATO in the first place? Uh, intern first, very good, at least one time, <laughs> yes. So uh, I, I, I think that NATO is just the natural choice of my previous background in academia. I've studied at uh, the University of Turin Strategic Sciences, which is the only Italian university program in collaboration with the Italian Army Application School. Mm. And after that, I... Enroll in another master in uh, transatlantic affairs between the College of Europe and the Fletcher School of Law Diplomacy. So I had the privilege to have uh, uh, Professor Missiroli as a thesis supervisor, was the former uh, Assistant Secretary General for Emerging Security Challenges. Mm-hmm. So oh. he also, let's say, suggested me to apply for NATO. And uh, the 4th of July, I received the email that I got accepted. So <laughs> I wrote it in my secret diary. It was a very nice day. Yeah. <laughs> Good memory. And you, Aitan? Um, well, I'm so my, I have a bachelor's in electrical and electronics engineering, mm-hmm. and uh, some might think that it's not really relevant to applying an internship or, or in, in any case, tempship at NATO. But uh, like towards my graduation, I received an email from my university um, distribution list said that there are opportunities at NATO. You should go check out, apply. And then uh, I was just randomly checking out the available positions, and one of them was was directly linked to my uh, studies, actually, which is uh, like engineering related. And then I decided to, you know, apply and like, what can I lose? So uh, I applied. After some months, uh, mm. I even after I just forgot that I even applied. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like five, six months later, I just received an email saying that, "Hey, uh, we'd like to have an interview with us." And I'm like. Okay, I was about to start a new job as well, but then I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll interview." And then that, you know, one thing followed another, and then uh, here I am after uh, after almost three years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, and um, as I mentioned earlier in our introduction, uh, Mariana is kind of, I mean, Mariana and I are kind of the guests as well because we were both interns and, and temps at NATO. So, Mariana, yeah. why don't you tell us about your start as an intern at NATO? Well, I have a little bit of a different story because I did an internship at Strike for NATO, which is the military base in uh, Oeiras in Portugal. Hmm. Um, and I just, I actually applied to ACT first, and then someone told That's me. Allied Command Transformation. Yes, right. <laughs> in uh, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah, United exactly. States, yeah. yeah. But uh, they actually had two positions in Portugal, and those were the ones that I applied to because I didn't actually want to go to Virginia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just preferred to be in Portugal yeah. near my family. Makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, I just ended up applying for the Strike for NATO position because somebody told me about it, and um, a few months later, I also got in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you? Um, well, mine is kind of similar to Lorenzo in that um, I had a university professor. So I, I, I guess I'll start with my undergrad degree, which is in creative writing. So like Aitunch, it's oh a little God. less <laughs> conventional than, uh, than maybe the typical uh, NATO intern. Um, but, but yeah, so I did creative writing. I decided I wanted to do a master's degree, um, in international relations, which is maybe a little bit more conventional. <laughs> and then I, I wasn't really interested in security policy or studies at all, but I had a professor who, you know, as, as they do sometimes, they're so passionate that they make you really interested in the subject matter. Um, and then he recommended the NATO internship. So I applied kind of thinking like, I don't know if there's really a space for me here, um, as a creative writer, but, uh, but yeah. And then I got uh, an offer from the editorial team and then and went through the whole security clearance process, which took some time and and uh, eventually ended up here. Um, but there was kind of another dimension that made me interested in the first place, which is that my my grandfather actually worked uh, for NATO in the 1950s when oh. it was based uh, outside of Paris. So um, I, he he's dead now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so like he didn't he didn't he didn't know that I worked at NATO. Uh, okay. But but it was that type of thing where it's like, you know, oh, there's an interesting family connection and mm -hmm. it made me more interested. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, another cool story about uh, applying to the internship, I actually have a friend, uh, Hilal, she, she received the similar email that I received when she just started her studies in, in, in college. But back then she was, uh, I think, 18, 19 years old. And then uh, the, the age limit to apply for the program is 21. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she, she, she read the conditions and she was like, okay, um, you know what? I'll set an alarm <laughs> for, for two years later. Uh -huh. She sets an alarm on her phone and she doesn't change her phone. She doesn't lose her phone. Uh, and then two years later, the alarm goes off. She applies, and then she's still... On her still... 21st birthday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> she... On the day. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't send letters in the mail by owl inviting you to you know, <laughs> join NATO on your 21st birthday. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you you two have had two very different uh, internship um, experiences so far because you did it pre-COVID and you did it during COVID. So how... How was your experience, Lorenzo, doing an internship during COVID? I would say that uh, an internship in NATO, during COVID, it's even better to some extent <laughs> to all the other experiences during these uh, terrible times because here I, I really had the taste of normality. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, here in NATO, we all follow the health measures, etc. We wear masks, etc. But uh, I arrived in Brussels in September and everything was teleworking, uh, not any social contact, etc. And here since we are more or less sometimes obliged to come to the office mm -hmm. to manage classified materials, even if, uh, uh, I don't know, of course, all the social gatherings, all the social activities have been banned, here I had a taste of normality on how life was before uh, COVID. So I really appreciated the experience in Nate also for this social part, I would mm -hmm. say. Well, I just want to point out if Lorenzo ex enjoyed the, the internship experience during COVID, 
I can't imagine how mind blown you would be <laughs> if you were <laughs> if you were before. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I will stay here for this reason to see how it's like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we ever come to that, <laughs> yeah. Well, I have well, hope. Optimism. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Aitunch, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your internship experience pre-COVID? Um, and yeah, just like what was your your work and your day-to-day life? Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> so I, I started my internship in March 2019, so roughly a year before COVID. So I, I got I got like six months of normal times and then towards the <laughs> end of the year, you know, just things get a bit awkward. But um, it was it was just like to be honest, living a dream because it was not only about the actual work that I had, but even like my manager, my my supervisor, HR, everyone was actively looking forward to develop you as a person, develop you professionally in your career. And it's not about the, the task that you get, but we had a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of con- conferences, trainings from subject matter experts that you wouldn't be able to get, even if you pay, because you know we have the clearance, we have the uh, like logistical proximity. Uh, we had trips to like EU. I know the other batch had some trips to, like the Eurocontrol. You have, you know, you're in Brussels and you have a lot of options to mm-hmm. see go, go see other institutions. And believe it or not, we had the most amazing parties in here as well. Maybe maybe Bruce knows it uh, better because he was. He I can neither like, confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> who would uh, Who would imagine that you would have the best parties uh, at NATO headquarters? <laughs> Secret but, information. <laughs> but no, the the actual work. Um, I, I was I was super satisfied with my with my manager and my supervisor and the work that I got. Um, it was it was obviously technical related stuff because because my degree. But I think more importantly, it was it was the atmosphere, the intern batch that we had. It was like a it was like a tremendous social uh, environment. We would uh, go places together, uh, you know, attend conferences, go to other institutions, hang out in the in the in the lunch. Uh, they called us the intern mafia, and they said, <laughs> okay. because they we were walking up with like fifteen people of a group just mm. walking to the cafeteria and out. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty pretty good pretty good good experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very nice, as you said, it's very flexible. For instance, in my, my case, I'm an energy security intern, but I'm dealing with also with cybersecurity, with data policy here in my division. I wish one is very nice. You just need to knock the door and say, hey, do you have something for me? I'm very interested in what you are doing. And uh, it's not very sectorial if you want. Mm-hmm. Precisely. They, they watch out. I think they watch out for you to get something out of this rather than for the organization to get something out of you from this internship experience. And what mm-hmm. I think, which is extremely important for, for the program itself. Yeah. So, Lorenzo, you mentioned you uh, work in the Emerging Security Challenges Division. Um, What does the division do and why did you decide to apply to that position specifically? Uh, I know there is a conflict of interest, but I think the Emerging Security Challenges Division is just the best one because it's dealing uh, (laughs) with all the the topics that we read on the newspaper, climate Mm -hmm. change, cybersecurity, counterterrorism, data policy. In my specific case, uh, that was the division where my section, Energy Security and Hybrid Challenges, was. So since I was, I had this uh, background in security studies and in my current master I'm doing, I'm more focused also on energy, it was just a natural decision. And it was very nice to be in the right place at the right moment because now with the NATO 2030 agenda, finally climate change is back also in, uh, in mm-hmm. our military organization. There is a long path toward, towards us, but... Uh, I think uh, I'm in the right place now, and uh, with all the, the documents that we have produced, 
Um, it's been a, a, a pleasure and an honor to see behind the scene how everything has been written uh, mm-hmm. and compromised and negotiated. And, and speaking of the NATO 2030 agenda, uh, we are the NATO Summit Behind the Scenes podcast. So I think we should probably talk about the summit a little bit. Um, and you got to work a little bit on the Climate Change and Security Action Plan um, yeah. that was agreed by the leaders, right? So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, it's a, I think it's a milestone in, in mm. NATO because finally, uh, after um, the, the approval of the last uh, strategic concept in Lisbon 2010, uh, the word climate change was put finally in, uh, in, in those pages. But uh, the actions were, there was, let's say, a, a lack of action. There mm. was the Green Defense Framework 2014, but nothing really, let's say, set up in a proper way. Now, uh, with the launch of NATO 2030, we started, I think, a, a season of uh, documents where we are trying to tackle climate change, or at least uh, trying to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, even if we... Uh, don't think about climate change, climate change thinks about us. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are three main pillars, as we can all read on a NATO website, <laughs> on this Le uh, Chapeau of the, the Climate Change Action Plan, which are awareness, adaptation, and mitigation. So mm-hmm. uh, for the next decade, NATO needs to, let's say, be ready to what will be in, uh, in 10 years. And so awareness is important. Adaptation, it's crucial because, for example, you mentioned Norfolk, which is the biggest naval Navy base in, in the world. Mm. And there are some uh, U.S. military estimations that say that in 2050, those bases will be flooded 200 days per year. Oh, so wow. it's quite a, a big problem if we <laughs> yeah. don't adapt to that. Yeah. And of course, mitigation, because we all know the Paris Agreement. And mm. in the Go Kyoto ahead. Protocol, we, uh, we had an exemption for the militaries. In the Paris Agreement, militaries are called to let's say, support the climate transition. Of course, NATO needs to keep uh, its uh, core task on collective security. I'm not uh, imagine, imagining a uh, solar tank uh, or yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that in the following decades. But of course, uh, I'm thinking from maybe on energy security and other stuff, NATO can play a role and uh, be on the right side of history. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool just that as an intern that you got to work on this, you know, high level document, um, which is charting this new course for everyone, right? And and uh, that you got to see your work have this, you know, concrete output. Yeah, we are in a small unit. So yeah. <laughs> every brain is every important. hand on deck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't really saw that you were wearing a security guard vest on the day of the summit. <laughs> what was your experience With the like? With earpiece and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you looked really badass. <laughs> Please tell us what you did that yeah. day. I um, Yeah, it's the, the most the coolest part was the, the, the wrist microphone mm-hmm. and then the whole earpiece. No. Um, <laughs> So that day, I was responsible for uh, the me- the media pools. I was I was stationary at the uh, public square entrance, which is called "quote unquote" the doorstep, the blue and carpet, the, the blue carpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was responsible. So since we had COVID restrictions, uh, we, we we needed to make sure that everyone was uh, lined by by the um, precautions, and there were uh, multiple groups, which we call pools, and then they were, uh, for instance, they were not allowed to uh, transport on their own. They have to be escorted to the to the shuttles, escorted back, and then uh, aligned. They had some questions, technical questions or procedural questions. So we were just like a point of contact in there. So you really got a front row seat to all of yeah. the leaders pulling up. <laughs> yeah. you know? That was, yeah. yeah. yeah that was That's the, the perk of the job. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I just got it for that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was 
I don't have a lot of summit memories from this year because I was mostly working from home. Um, but in 2018, I had the same thing where I was, you know, holding doors open and, and simple things like that. But the, the thrill was the front row seat to see all the heads of state and government. Um, and I remember I was up in my office and um, I could see kind of behind, literally behind the scenes, which is maybe a little on the nose for our podcast. But uh, but before the leaders, they all lined up to go walk out and like shake the hand of mm-hmm. Zach Jen. Yeah. Um, and me and a couple coworkers were just like looking down, playing like spot the world leader, basically. <laughs> and then, of course, they noticed that we were looking at them. And so it was like super embarrassing having these like heads of state and government. Uh, but they were like friendly and waving. And we were like, hi, do I wave back? I don't know. <laughs> and it was Obviously, it's a very cool experience to see all 30 leaders in one day. But just the experience itself of helping out on the summit day, I, for example, felt very important. (laughs) Just having a little vest on and helping the official photographers. Like, you feel like you actually have a proper position and you're really helping out this day go smoothly. So... Mm -hmm. That was really nice as well. And Lorenzo, what did you do on the summit day? Uh, I, I, I will say that I stress all my energies to keep journalists safe uh, yeah. under the sun <laughs> from eight to two. Mm-hmm. I really, it was like a sauna, but it was worth it. Yeah. It was lovely, and, uh, and as uh, everyone said here, yes, it, you feel important. <laughs> and uh, on my side, I spent the last five years of my university studying European affairs, mm-hmm. uh, reading about what uh, the Chancellor Merkel said. Yeah. Yeah. president uh, have stayed blah 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 and see them meet them in person it's been uh, just incredible okay so going back a little bit i noticed that uh, your lanyard i is from the international military staff and we talked a little bit about um, you working as a temp there can you tell us about what the difference is between the international military staff and the international staff and what the difference was working on these two teams or, or sides of the house in terms of work environment, I would say international military staff is uh, very well established, very structured, and very organized. Uh, the procedures, standard operating procedures, everything is certain, and if, if someone's asked to do something, it's just it just gets done. Whereas in IS, uh, for instance, the deadlines are a bit like you know shorter. Everything has to go out faster. It's a more of a dynamic environment where uh, I would say it would be closer to like a startup environment because I, I used mm. to work at a startup before and I, I noticed the difference between you know when I first joined uh, with the IMS I was like okay <laughs> but then going back to IS kind of you know uh, highlighted the, the, the memories that I have from from a previous job so it, it's a bit more of a dynamic fast pace um, environment um, well I guess it's just sort of like there's the military side and the civilian side because NATO is a military organization but a political organization. So it's these two parts that are wed together. True. Adding on to that, uh, international military staff includes both military staff and international staff. Mm -hmm. So you would be working with, uh, for instance, my team was a joint IS-IMS team. Um, And didn't your team have a long acronym that sounds like C-3PO (laughs) or some sort of robot name? My section was NHQ C-3 staff SC-3 IB, which is NHQ C-3S SC-3 IB, which stands for NATO Headquarters, Consultation Command and Control Staff, Spectrum, and Consultation Command and Control Infrastructure (laughs) Branch. That could be the password of my wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just think security. Exactly. Yeah, but we we used to you, you used to uh, cut it up when someone asks. You go like uh, SC three IB, which is already again. That's I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's one thing that we can say that unites, you know, international military staff, international staff, interns across the board at NATO, is that 
you'll find yourself learning all of these acronyms very yep. quickly and suddenly you write a sentence that's like more acronyms than actual words. And you're like, <laughs> what is happening to my brain? But it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, uh, how do your jobs differ and what's the big difference between being an intern and, and being a temp now? And how did you end up staying as a temp? Um, honestly, my job has not differed from my internship to temp at the same team because I was I was an intern for six months and then I was a temp for a year in the same team. And pretty much, uh, I would say, more or less the same. Mm -hmm. uh, the projects, you know, changed, maybe the scope a little bit changed, but uh, by no means, uh, like, I, I believe interns, temps, and even permanent staff, uh, there is no, there is no, uh, like discrimination against like workload or, or mm -hmm. topics. Mm -hmm. Um, so having said that, I was working on, uh, so I was working as a software engineer on a NATO mission support software to improve it. And, uh, I was, I was doing mostly technical stuff uh, apart from the internship experience itself. Uh, so that, that kind of differs from, uh, the public diplomacy division that I uh, mm. currently work at, which is, uh, I guess, the furthest away that can be from uh, electrical and electronics engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to be honest, currently I also I, I also work on like a business and digital transformation um, project, which uh, also requires me to know about the public diplomacy aspects of this of this division, the work streams, the products, the business flows, uh, you know, the environment. So. Uh, there is there is a, there is an element of relevance mm -hmm. to my background, but I think it's it's amazing that us interns temps get mm -hmm. to experience different types of working environments in in different uh, contexts and shape and form. Yeah, well, and to just jump off um, one thing you said was like there's you don't it doesn't feel like there's a discrimination between interns and temps and regular staff in terms of like workload at least, um, in that like. You, uh, I've not to name names, but I've done internships in the past for, you know, like different governments or other organizations where it's like, okay, well, here's some stuff for you to read and like, you know, maybe we'll have a project for you to work on. Whereas here for me, at least, and I mean, I didn't work on a product for, you know, the summit during my internship, like, like you did Lorenzo. Um, but I definitely like day one that was like, oh my God, thank God you're here. We have so much work for you to do, <laughs> you know, and then I actually saw the, the value of what I could do. Right. So yeah, you're um, seen just like any other staff, not yeah. inferior like you would in, in some other companies. <laughs> yeah, not to bring the mood down, <laughs> but I but I, I mean, we've said lots of really great things about the, the internship, um, which are all true and accurate, of course. But I also think that it's important to, you know, reflect on the fact that there's challenges as well. And it's not all necessarily roses and sunshine. So um, Mariana, perhaps, can you tell us about any challenges that you faced in your internship and then um, our other guests? can as well yeah I mean you know sometimes you apply for something and you realize that it's actually not really what you want to do mm -hmm. and I was uh, lucky enough to have the opportunity to be able to switch from one division to another so I ended up staying as uh, an intelligence and security assistant for most most of my uh, internship even though that's not what I originally applied for so yeah that's I would say that was one of the challenges but it was great that mm -hmm. I was able to overcome it and everyone was was very helpful there yeah even if you didn't necessarily find your fit in the first place yeah exactly yeah. for me definitely getting used to Brussels weather uh, <laughs> <laughs> no yep. no questions asked it's uh 
No. Um, you mean you don't like minus 15 degrees in the winter? <laughs> minus 15. I'm from Canada. Okay, that's nothing. <laughs> we get plus 15 in Portugal in the winter. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not the it's not the degree, but like it's like the rain. rain. It's the rain. Yeah, it's the rain. It's, the rain. Yeah. it's, just yeah. puts you it's down. a recurring theme in our podcast. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> no, I think uh, the biggest challenge for me was. Um, coming from an engineering background into a totally different environment, a different batch of people from like very different walks of life. I think that was, for me, it was a bit intimidating at first because then I had to like speak their language in terms of like international security or politics mm -hmm. or, or, or policy making. Um, but then it turned out to be the, the, the best experience ever because everyone's so kind, welcoming, and, and understanding. And the, the, the transition process was extremely smooth. So I'm not sure if at this point we can call it a challenge anymore. <laughs> it was a challenge before I found out that it was, it was going to be all right. But, um, and Brussels is very welcoming as a city for interns and young professionals. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of us because you have the institutions. In, yeah. in all fairness, uh, set aside the, the weather aspect, which is not that big of a deal. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the environment in, in, in Brussels is extremely underrated. Uh, what about I you, Lorenzo? Say, in my case, uh, as you said, the first shock as an intern is just to try to understand all the acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> still, uh, still now, after four months, uh, I made mistakes between DPP and PTD, yeah. PTD policy division and defense policy planning. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, but after that, you know, the, this, the first month of the internship, uh, thanks to the acronyms, thanks to the fact that several colleagues were still quite teleworking or mm -hmm. uh, were not in, in the office. Uh, it was a bit hard maybe to start with all the process trying to reach the the knowledge level of everyone on all the documents that uh, we were planning to, to write or we were negotiating. But after that, uh, let's say a positive challenge is, uh, as I said, I love uh, not just focusing on the works of my section, I love maybe helping other section on their works. Now it's trying to balance uh, because everyone always giving me tasks. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I, 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 maybe I'm too curious, probably. But yeah. uh, and so now I'm trying to manage in the most efficient way yeah. the, all the tasks that I receive from different sections. But uh, that's what I wanted, and I cannot mm -hmm. complain too much. Um, okay, so we normally end our episodes by asking people about their, their favorite summit memories, but we talked a little bit about the summit already and what you guys did. Um, so if you want, you can just share what is kind of the coolest experience you've had in general working as an intern or a temp here at NATO headquarters. Uh, being on this podcast. <laughs> Aww. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, on my side, I think the coolest experience in the internship uh, still needs to come. So this is the day when they will offer me a temp, <laughs> to be honest. But at the moment, until now, I'd say, as I said, probably meeting all the leaders has been fantastic. And uh, it's not the coolest moment because it's still now, it's still today, it's every day. Just coming to the office and meeting people. Mm -hmm. After one year and a half of pandemics, uh, this is the coolest things of the internship, just human contacts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean... We have a daily call every day, and after eight months of me working here, I met the person who, yeah. who leads the, this morning call today. So, Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting yeah. with us about your internship experiences and, and your you. temp experiences, um, both both past and present and hopefully future temp experiences as well. Optimism. Thank you for yeah. having us. Thank yeah. you for the good laugh thank also. You. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
Thank you for tuning in to our NATO Summit podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode where we will continue to demystify everything about the NATO Summit. And a special thanks to all our colleagues at the NATO Studio for their help recording this podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred platform so you don't miss any episodes in the future. Bye! Bye.